Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, I have Erin Claire Jones, whom I just think is brilliant. And I've had the pleasure to feel her soft heart, gentle, kind, feminine embodiment and expression for the last few years. She's been an inspiration to me in that regard. Um, in this podcast, we talk a lot about human design and many other things, including growing up, maturing, uh, social media, creation, cycles. It's so good. She feels so good. Okay. I hope you enjoy. I am so happy to reconnect with my dear friend, Erin Clara Jones today. And is your, is your, hold on before, is it your relationship or wedding or is that private or public? Public. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cause I really wanted to just ask you, like, are you going to change your name? Um, <laughs> are you going to change your name? No. And it's so funny because my mom proposed to my dad and she never changed her name. And so like, I'm just like, honestly, I'm like, I'm, of course I'm not going to change my name, but also my conditioning is like not to, yeah. you know, but, um, I love my name. Jared loves his name. I think that like, we don't really see a reason, obviously like having kids will navigate that, but like, I love my name. Great. I love that. I want to keep that whole bit in also. Cause I like, I just like, I like natural moments of, of podcasting where I'm just like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. So Aaron Claire Jones, who is now married, but is mm -hmm. still Aaron Claire. Still. Yes. I love that. I also don't want to ever let go of my last name because I'm one of like two in, in our family. Um, and my dad's side of the family, my Brazilian side that has my name and I just kind of like mm. feel attached to it. So. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I mean, it's real. It's like also what you want to maintain if you do have kids, you yeah. know, and like, I don't really yeah. feel ready to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so awesome to reconnect after meeting you. Probably, I think it was in about 2018. So, or maybe 2017, so. but, um, Aaron Claire and I met in New York and I, we met through the assemblage, which was this phenomenal, co-working space, much more than that, much more than that in New York, um, where, and I was just reflecting on the assemblage the other day with somebody. I was like, wow, that was such an epic place. It was like, almost like a one oh. million. It really was. And it feels like, and you know, for those unfamiliar, which will be most like, I think that it, we opened in 2017 or maybe 2018, I think 2017. And then it ended, you know, during COVID like 2020, you know, and it was just like, it feels like it really like burst into existence for this like beautiful period of time, mm -hmm. it transformed a lot of lives and then faded. Yeah. You know? it, like really, it was such an amazing space for the time that it, it, it existed. And it really like, I feel so grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you all listening to so the assemblage was like, a bit of like a co-working space slash like salon, kind of like a, not salon, like a hair salon, but like a place where people came together. There were classes, there were, um, 
meditations. There was incredible food. So you could, you could become a member. And I did it for a few months when I had kind of quit LA for a minute and then went back. <laughs> um, it was like, I remember that, which was so fun. And the, so the food was incredible. So it's like, you have a place to go sit and work and you can either co-work in like this gorgeous room, or you can get your own little office. And then they serve you breakfast and lunch and then that's the amazing. evening, there's so much programming in the evening, which, so that's what I met you as you were programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so wild. Yeah. I, I mean, I was like, started my first human design company in 2015. And then I met the founder of the assemblage in 2017. And he basically like convinced me to go and help him open the assemblage with like a founding team. And it was amazing, you know? And so running the programming there and then And then I built my human design business part two there, you know, and it like really launched me off in ways I could never have imagined. Um, But it was amazing. It really does feel like unlike anything else I've known. It doesn't feel like just co-working. It feels like it really was like such a like community, just like transformative little hub. Yeah. And I remember like I hadn't felt the feeling that I felt there since like I walked into the office at vice when I was like 26 mm-hmm. or 27 or something. And I remember like back then I had walked into the office at vice and I saw all these people that were like coming together with this creative visions and everyone's just super inspired. Right. And so at that time, like I was working with them as a filmmaker and I, I felt the same feeling, but in a very different iteration when I walked into the assemblage uh, instead of people all coming together for documentary filmmaking and, you know, that kind of, of scene that was at Vice Media um, at the assemblage, it was just like people were coming together mainly for like the expansion of consciousness and transformation and, most of the people that were working there were like doing amazing things for the planet in some way, shape or form. And like, that was inspiring because you could go sit in the lobby and you would just like start talking to someone who was like, Oh, I founded this company and we do this and da, da, da. And, and, and you totally. know, I guess a similar feeling at Burning Man, you know? hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like, yeah which I'm sure yeah. most of those people were burners. <laughs> I think many were. <laughs> many, many, many. I mean, literally when I joined the team, I think that like, I think I'd been on the team for a month and mm-hmm. then I went to Burning Man with the team. Oh, that's amazing. I was just like, what in the world? It was amazing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I love, I love that I was in one of your workshops back at the assemblage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I had never done human design and didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And that workshop, um, you know, at the time I was kind of like, my business was finding itself. Like I was writing my book. I was kind of like, you know, a lot of things were kind of finding themselves through me and, um, and your workshop really helped me understand myself. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so liberating to have Mm -hmm. this, um, self-understanding through human design, I just, I felt really freed by knowing that some of the, the traits or the qualities in myself were very textbook to being a manifester. 
<laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. And you, you've always embodied it being a manifester so beautifully to me, you know, because I think that like human design reminds us of things that we already know and just gives us more permission to step into it. And yeah. so to me, it feels like you were already doing it all and it just like nudged mm. you, but it is so fun flashing back to that. I so remember that. I'm remembering all these like little moments now. That was so fun. Those little yeah. in-person workshops. Yeah. And then, because and then, so Aaron Claire was just starting and I remember you weren't so much on social media and you were, you know, just like mm. kind of starting. And now she is the human design queen. <laughs> She's living yeah. it and preaching it and has many, many people like gobbling up her work. And like, I want to hear from you about that journey. And what was that like from that mm-hmm. first workshop or even back from 2015, if you want to go back there, but that trajectory yeah. of like how, um, you had an idea for what you wanted to do and then created a booming business. Oh, it's been such a journey and it is so fun to just like connect with people that I think like witness. It's just so fun to like know people for a while and be able to kind of witness their journey over like so many different phases. Um, so I started in 2015. I basically had a very serendipitous meeting with my former business partner at my friend's in my friend's backyard in New York City. And he was like, you're meant to do this and we're meant to, to do this together. And so I started building my first human design business in 2015. And it was purely focused on like human design for business. And it was like a challenging couple of years. You know, I think it was like amazing in so many ways. Like I was being like really like you know, immersed in a system that made so much sense to me and that I knew could be so transformative for people. But it was also at a time in the world where human design was like not really well known, you know? And so I was just like, you guys, this is amazing. And everyone's like, this is pretty weird. And I'm like, right. no, it's amazing, you know? And so like, it was just so interesting to be at this like time where I was like, this is gold and people aren't ready for it. And mm-hmm. I think that it was like such a lesson for me of like, I just knew that there was such value in it that I was like, I've got to just keep studying and keep learning because like someday the people will be ready and I just can't anticipate when they will, you know? And so when I met the founder of the assemblage, Rodrigo, he he loved human design, was such a fan, how we met. And he was the one who was like, you need to join the team and, and lead programming. And like, I think that I was felt really scared saying yes to that decision because I felt like I was abandoning the thing that I knew I was meant to do, mm-hmm. but also like it felt really right, you know? And it's so funny looking back exactly why that felt right. So I ended up walking away from that first business and joining the assemblage. Um, and then about four months in, I started building my own human design practice in January of 2018. Mm. And I was like, I was done. I was done. I felt like I like would fail. And Jared, my now husband was like, Aaron, I'm building you a website. You must just start. And I was like, no, you know? And so it, he was the one that really was like, you just can't give up yet. Mm. Um, but it was amazing. So like, I basically built my business inside of the assemblage. And so all of, so I wasn't on social media. I was so terrified of sharing my human design on social media. Like all of my clients came from the assemblage, you know, for the first year and a half. And I think that like, and and I built a beautiful balance there where like I was working there starting at 2 PM and just seeing all my clients in the morning. And, and it was just, it's just such a reminder that we like don't know how these things will unfold. But I think at a certain point, it was like, once my clients extend beyond the assemblage, like then I can go. And I think it was in early 2019, I was like, 
making far more money in human design than the assemblage. And it was just like, I really like, it's just time. Um, And so I stepped away and my husband became my business partner. Um, And it's been a really amazing journey. I mean, I think that we've now worked with almost 20,000 people, which is just crazy. I know. And like, and, and I'm so grateful for Jared because I think that like, I love human design and he's really helped me explore ways to bring human design to way more people than I could ever sit with, you know? And so our business is not really session-based even anymore, even though I do sessions, but it's really around offering people kind of accessible ways to get into their design without me like sitting and talking with them all and without these like really inaccessible price points, you know? So it's been an amazing journey and it's, it's just been really cool, you know? And, and it's, it's, I'm excited to see how it keeps emerging, but, um, it's been, yeah, it's just been wild. Yeah. I love just like, I love hearing how you started practicing in person at the assemblage. And I do think that anyone who is becoming like an expert on something that being with people and seeing how your delivery of your message lands or doesn't land is like essential. Totally. And you know, and for a long time, you know, until you know, okay, like I, I I can feel in my body that people are deeply resonating. And it's that something about that. It's just like going to school or training. It's like, if you don't have the, the direct feedback of like those people saying, oh, wow. Oh my God. You know, like having that feedback, Mm -hmm. it's harder than to keep moving forward. And it's not that you can't, you can, and you can just go, oh, I believe in myself, but critical feedback is, is, is just essential. And I think that it's like, we get to make the mistakes with people and, you know, and test out our material essentially. And so I love that you did that first. I know. And I also think that like, I remember when I first started doing sessions, like by myself, I was just like, Jared, I'm not ready. Even though I'd been doing sessions for two years with my former teacher. And he was just like, Aaron, like, you know, so much. And like the sessions will be so useful, but you're going to look back in five years and be like, I can't believe the way that I was doing it then because I've learned so much since then. And so it's just like, I just like had to get started and like how I share now is so different than them, but you're so right. Like all those experiences just like gave me so much. They just transformed the way that I shared about human design, Yeah, you know, and they gave me so much information to play with where it's like the sharing came from stories and not just like the things that I'd read. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, anyone who's out there teaching about something or, um, you got to go live it. You've got to test your material, you know, and you got to get some really bad feedback sometimes. Like if you haven't gotten any feedback, then well, it's like bad feedback or critical feedback. And I'm not afraid of the word bad. Some people are, but like, if you haven't gotten that, then I always, I'm like, well, you need to take a few more risks then because maybe you're playing a little too safe. You know, there should be along the road of becoming a practitioner expert, like someone who's standing and teaching something that somebody calls you out on it, or, you know, you make a mistake. And I think that those mistakes are really the things that strengthen us in our conviction and also in our ability to, to meet like the next level of, of expansion or whatever. Oh, it's so true. 
And yeah. it's so hard, you know, it's so easy to kind of take those things so personally, but it's oh, just God. like all so in service of our growth, Oh yeah, you know, and like without all the, like, I just like listen back on things. I'm like, Oh God, you know what <laughs> I mean? But like, it's just like, it's just how we grow, you know? Yeah. And I think one other thing I wanted to share is like an entrepreneur and like, I don't know what your experience was with this, but like the first iteration of my human design company was hard because I put so much pressure immediately to support myself. Uh, and like, and I think that like being able to like work at the assemblage and build it more organically on the side actually worked so much better for me. Like same. putting a little bit less pressure. You Did you do the same thing? Yeah, yes. Uh, and I'll explain in a second, but keep, keep going. No, but that oh. was it is that I, I don't think I like had really like, I was like, I've got to go all in. And like, I went all in, but I was so stressed because I was like, we have to find clients. And I think when I was able to build it alongside the assembly job, I was like, it was amazing. Cause it just happened. And then like, yeah. when I had so much evidence supporting like the viability of the business, then I could leave. But yeah. I just think that like, and I was so lucky with the, you know, situation of the assemblage that enabled me to do that. But like, I just don't think we talk about that enough. Like, I just think that no, freedom is like, experiment without like having to like support myself on it entirely. Yeah. felt so much better for me. Yes. I agree. I was just saying this, talking to somebody about this the other day and, um, cause Elizabeth Gilbert and her big book, Elizabeth Gilbert big magic. book, big magic talks a little bit about like, kind of like, I'm, I'm not quoting her verbatim, but it's something like, don't quit your day job. And, um, and you know, I, I did the thing when I was younger, which is like quit your day job and then like go for your art full on. And I like ran up so much credit card debt at that time. I mean, not crazy amount, but yeah. And then when I, and then I paid it off and then I got to like directing jobs and acting jobs. And so I was like, yes, now I've, I'm like made it, I've got it. And then when I switched from being in like having Hollywood goals to wanting to then be in a career of service, support, expression, but not within a, a system that felt painful. Um, I was, I, I really chose, I was like, I need to have something that's like supporting me financially. And I had to, I had to face my ego more than anything. And I think people like, I think it's really healthy. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on with the generation now, but like I started yeah. working when I was 12, changing diapers at the church nursery. I've, I, so, so when I was 32 and I decided to no longer be in Hollywood, I went back to doing the, the job that I did before I, I would had quit yeah. to, to be an actress and a director, which was cooking for, for wealthy people, cooking healthy food and being a private I chef, which I had, that. I had no experience in. This is probably a very manifester thing. I was like, how can I make some money quick doing something that's yeah. not terrible, you know? <laughs> and, um, in New York, I, when I was like writing my first film script and it gotten into a bunch of labs and blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was like, okay, things, I'm going to make it, things are going to happen. And, um, and they did happen. But at that time I had a babysitting job and she asked me like, would you cook for us? And I was, my ego was like, oh my God, I like what? But I did it. I faced my own bullshit back then. And I learned how to cook actually from being a babysitter and cooking for this amazing woman in the West Village. She's an art dealer who ended up being like an incredible mentor to me. And I saw how she ran her business and I was like, it was so helpful. Wow. So then later when I was broke again, I was like, 
I'm going to, I met this like rich yogi in Santa Monica and he wanted to date me. And I was like, I'm not available for dating, but, um, he had also said he was looking for a private chef. And I was like, but I will come cook for you three nights a week for X dollars. I can't remember how much. And, um, and while I was doing that, I was building my coaching business and he was, I remember once he said to me, and I don't think he meant to be a dick. So bless his heart. Yeah. But he was like, he was like, why would someone pay you for coaching? And I, I remember being like, and I ran into him. I remember being like, fuck you. So I was about to say, but I ran into him about two years later at a retreat at 1440 Multiversity, where I was teaching that year. And I ran into him at this retreat. I walked up to him. I was like, how are you? I was like, my book's coming out this year. I'm teaching retreat here this year also. And I remember him being like his jaw dropped. (laughs) Just like, oh my God. (laughs) But anyway, I don't think that there's anything wrong with, with like, you know, I think people got so mad at hustling, you know, like, yeah. like people, like it became so out of style to like hustle, but like sometimes like what, what else do people do? Like I have, I've had like 40 side hustles in my twenties and early thirties, you know? So anyway, totally. I'm on a bit of a rant there, but no. I don't think it should be something that people are ashamed of. I don't think so either, you know, and I just think it's nice to like, I think it's so easy to obviously look at where somebody is and like assume what the path looked like. And like, we obviously, we generally have like no idea what like happened behind the scenes. And I think you're right. It's like so much of my human design is about not hustling, you know, it's very much about like honoring the ebbs and flows, but like, I'm finally at a space in the business where I have a lot more space, but like it did require hustle at certain points, you know? And I think that like, for me, yeah. And at certain points and I think for me, it was so much on the long vision of like, of, of the space that was like ultimately going to be created because of what we were enacting then, you know? And so I think that like that held me had I known, like, had I assumed that that would always be my life, I couldn't have sustained it. Me but neither, I think it is ever. like, you know, but I just like, I knew where it was going and like, and so I think it, and also I think that we can like get away with it often when we're young you know, exactly. in a way that becomes less sustainable when we're older. Um, but it is, it's just like, I think it's nice for people to be, you know, just talk about the journey. And I would say, you know, and we won't talk so deeply about this right now, but like so much of your design is around being a teacher for others by just sharing about your own journey, your own experiences, like all the things you failed at, all the mistakes you've made, all the lessons that you've learned, you know, it's just like, it's so good to kind of remember how much juiciness is like actually in the experience. You know what I mean? I just know. sharing that I- can be transformative. Yeah, totally. I needed that reminder because sometimes I do forget. And like, um, you know, when you're living in the present and like you've actually come to a place where it's like, okay, things feel really healthy and grounded and safe and sustainable and nourishing. Sometimes it feels like hard to go, well, let me tell you about how I got here. Or it can feel like, you know, kind of sentimental or, um, you know, like it reminds me of like a little violin, like coming out and being like, let me share you my story. You know, how hard I worked to get here. You know, it's like, sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, forget it. We don't need to talk about that anymore. But a lot of people are where I was yeah, cooking yeah. for Kevin or cooking for Abigail, you know, or probably some of the other odd jobs. I was thinking actually yesterday how I had had like a movie at festivals. I'd been you know, I'd had been in all these magazines for all this film stuff. And then 
when it didn't keep going and I had saved money, I like, I got a job as a PA. And I remember this producer going, you can't PA on my shoot. You're a director. You're, you're an actress. You've done so much. How could you PA on my shoot? I'm like, I need some money. As a director and an actor, you're not always working. And I remember just being on that shoot and just swallowing my pride and being like, mm. you know, this is what it takes. And yeah, it's the journey, the journey. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the journey. And and yeah, mm, so much to say, but go ahead. Well, so, so I, I want to hear about how that kind of, the how the space went for you from being, at the assemblage, seeing people there, and then you start doing yeah. the blueprints online. But yeah, I mean, there there must have been, there must have been a moment where you were like, "Holy shit, this is really, you know, booming or working, right?" Like, what was that like for you? And was there a particular moment that you felt like, "Wow, oh my god"? Yeah, I think it was probably like at the close of. Cause like, I think that the minute I like launched my own website, like things actually got pretty consistent in terms mm-hmm. of like getting books. And then I think that like, I feel like it was actually at the end of 2018, the end of that year that like things started growing yeah. and I was just like, wow. And then early like 2019, like January and February, it was just like, things just like kept growing. And I think I had like really just got an Instagram and I think like part it was Jared being like, Jared, like basically, you know, built my website was always supporting me in the business. But I think when he was like really excited about kind of doing it together, I was like, this is a real thing, you know? So I think like that was kind of one of those moments, but like, it is so funny, like looking back it kind of like all blends together mm-hmm. and like, it was such a kind of like slow growth at the beginning, but like, I think it was when I left the assemblage, it was very much like, this is a real thing and we can do this, mm. you know? And it's, and it's, and it was reaching, it reaches a new level every year, you yeah. know? Like, I think that like, I have been manually doing so much, you know, in terms of working with people and emails and all the things. And so I think just to kind of like, feel like I like finally get to have more support yeah. and like, and it just feels, it's a little bit surreal, wow. you know? And I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's even a particular moment, but I just think like, I think it's maybe just pausing. Like we just bought a house upstate, you know, I just told you, we just adopted two dogs. Like, I just feel like it's like all this, all the stuff that our business is for us, you know, and like the life it's allowed us to live and the people it's allowed us to reach. And so I just feel like when I sit back, I'm like, wow, wow, I can't believe we did that, you know? So it's great. And at the same time, like you never know how long these things are going to last and and what's going to happen in our lives and where things are going to take us. But like, I really, it's been such an amazing journey and I just oh. like feel so lucky to have been on it, you know, and, and yes. that people are, people care about what I'm saying about human design, because obviously I love talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my next question is like, you know, human design in theory like sounds like you said was like a bit far out how do you think so many people have gotten on board with it and for those people who don't know kind of the origin of it can you share a little bit of course so human design like astrology is based on your time date and place of birth and it basically gives you a map to how you're designed to kind of operate best in this world when it comes to making decisions building a business, working within a team, parenting, partnering, all the things. It like just gives you like a roadmap to you and it's super practical and very empowering. And, and so in terms of, 
And it's been around since 1987 and it's a channeled system, meaning that it was just kind of received by the founder. Um, he's no longer alive, but the system has obviously taken off since then. I think like for the skeptics out there, and I don't know whether they'll be listening to this podcast, but like I work with many skeptics. And I think that like my reminder is that like, I'm never trying to convince people of whether or not human design is true. Like right. I think the more interesting question is like, is it useful? And I feel like Thank often you. the most skeptical people are like, oh my God, yes, tell me more. So it's just like, remember that it like all things is a tool so take it or leave it like take it if it feels empowering and supportive and like throw it away if it doesn't right. um so that's yeah. a little bit about the origin in terms of why well, it, i have I mean, one more question on the origin today. yeah like did did he talk about what's his name by the way his name is Ra Uhuruhu. That was kind of like the name that downloaded like after the after okay. he received it uh before that it was Alan Krakauer Okay. And did he say anything about like, I mean, I'm sure he has, but I'd love experience. to hear. Yeah. Like, you know, was, did he have an enlightenment experience? Because the thing is you make human design so, so practical and totally. behind it, there is like this kind of mystical origin, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And like Jared always laughs. He's like, if you like listen to what Aaron's actually listening to, <laughs> like, I think he's like, listen to someone. He's like, what is going on there? You know, it's just like, I think uh -huh. that some of the traditional language is amazing and I love it. And it's also very different than the way that I share it, yeah. you know? So I think that the way that he described it was he was in Ibiza, whether he was on drugs or not, I do not know. But he was walking home one night and heard a voice and the voice said, it's time to work. And so for basically eight days and eight nights, he received all this knowledge and then kind of spent the next 20 years building it out. And the way that he received wow. it was that like, this is the first 21st century system of its kind. It is a quantum system. It kind of brings together so many modalities to give us each our own blueprint. So from astrology to Kabbalah, to the I Ching, to the chakra system, to quantum physics, to genetics, to biochemistry. Um, and so it's a wild story, you know, wow. and, I, and what I, and I was so funny because when I first started listening to Ra, like the recordings early on, I kind of expected this like very mystical teacher. And he's like, I mean, he is mystical in so many ways. And he's also just like really funny, a little bit jaded, like real, just like, it was so not what I expected. And I just loved it because it feels wow. like he was actually like such a, like not expecting that to happen in his life, you know? Wow. Um, and yes, and I think that in terms of why it's reached a broader audience is that I think that a lot of the original, I mean, these systems are informed by our own belief systems and who is sharing them, you know? And I think that like a lot of the original students of human design are amazing and also like a little bit by the book, you know? And I think they spoke about human design in a way that was really powerful for the right people, but also a little bit inaccessible to the masses. Mm. And so I think that like there started to be new people that were basically like, I always saw myself as a translator. Like even with my first business partner and, and like my, he was amazing. My first teacher and like such an amazing expert in human design, but we spoke about it really differently, you know? Mm. And so I often just saw myself as like, let me receive the information, like translate it and then share it in a new way. And yeah. so I think that there started to be more and more people like me, um, and, and many of us, you know, I'm so not the only one that just started to share about it in a way that made it a bit more accessible yeah. and also in a way that was like a little bit less dogmatic, yeah. you know? And so like my approach to human design is very much like I just shared it as a tool. It's not a belief system, take it or leave it. And like, this is meant to be like, I want to share about it in the most practical and empowering and accessible way, because most people don't want to learn about how human design works. They want to know how they can use the knowledge to better their lives. Exactly. You know? And so my focus is like, 
how can I give them the information to that end? And yeah. I think I like can't, and Jared, my partner, like has been such a blessing in that regard because like I can go a little bit more in the woo. He's so practical. And yeah. so like, I think talking through this all with him is like, he's really helped me like kind of cultivate my language and way of speaking about it. Um, oh, amazing. So thank God for him. But I do think that's part of why it's truly in all the ways, but I think that's like part of why it's reached a broader audience is that I think that there are new messengers and I think that they're speaking about it in a way that makes it more accessible to the mainstream. Hello, quick interlude here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, I'd love for you to check out my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, my guide to healing yourself, reclaiming your voice and standing in your power. Publishers Weekly called it a sharp, forceful debut. It was one of Bustle's best summer reads and a bestseller in three categories on Amazon. These are my methods that I'm teaching to inspire you, challenge you, bring up your resistance so you can face it and get free and unleash your gifts. How to let life make love to you, enjoy every bit and find the magic in all of it guide. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, and Sounds True, or by visiting alexandraroxo.com slash book. Thank you so much. It means the world to me to have your support for my work. Back to the podcast. Yeah. And do you all work on the content that you share publicly for free together? Or is that mainly you? No. Yeah. He just like is more on the... um he just like more helps me on a very high level kind okay. of like talk through the best way to kind of talk about this system. Okay. And it's so funny. Cause like, even though Jared is so not an expert in human design, like you could sit down with him and he could like give you a little bit of a reading, you know, like yeah. he just like, he, he knows the content well enough for that for sure. Um, but no, I do all the content on my own. Oh, cool. I feel yeah. like every time I see it, I'm like, she has the most innovative, new, like at fresh ideas around it. Like every day I'm just oh. like, I'm just so inspired. I'm like, I wouldn't even thought of that. Like, but yeah, of course oh, I want to wow. know like the five best things for manifestors. And like, I wouldn't, I didn't know that's what I wanted, but I want it, you know? <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. It's so fun. I think that like one thing I really loved and I don't know what your experience has been with things like this, but like my first few years learning human design, I felt like a little bit more obligated to speak about it, how I read it. Like, I just felt like it was a little bit more like, I'm going to learn it and like really speak to the truth of it, you know? But like, I think the more and more human design kind of became part of me, the less I had to think about it. And so like, what's so fun for me about like those Instagram posts is like, I'll just like, like think of a title of like, yeah, like three things to know about me or like, whatever. And then I just like, let it flow. Like, I really just don't think about it at all. And like, so it's, it's been really like fun. It just, and it's fun, you know? And like, I've always written like Instagram posts, like literally day of. So I'm trying a new thing where I like actually write them in advance, which is a bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, But it's really, but it's good. It's, it's a good practice for me, but I I do think that. I was just about to ask that, like, do you do it every day you channel it or do you, you know, do it in advance? Yeah. I think that like historically it's all been day of. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, Oh, I have to do an Instagram post today, you know? And so like, I just kind of like wake up and see, but I think that now I'm trying to do a couple weeks at a time. So like, it's, it's interesting, you know, but I do think that like, I definitely have to be like in the right headspace for it. And I just have to like, so it's still a thing that I'm experimenting with. And part of me is very much like, I just want to do it the day of and do it. I'm inspired by. And I also like, and I mean, I don't know your experience as a business owner, but like, I want to build a system that give me more space in my life. Right. You know? And so like, 
things like this do. So I think I'm still experimenting with that, but I do think that like, I just got to make my, I just have to make myself available for it, but it's so fun. Yeah. And I think that when you're having fun, like seeing my friends who really have fun delivering their messages, it, I can feel it. And there's times where like, I don't feel called to social media. I need to take a break, whatever. And, and then there's times where I'm like, I'm inspired to share and to play and to express. And so, yeah, I think that we all have our ebbs and flows and how we do it and trying different systems. Like I've tried like five different (laughs) systems and people helping me and people not helping me. And, you know, it's like finding what works also, um, you know, may change depending on the season of, of our business or the season of our life, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know whether you've ever done this, but I feel like because your energy is so like creative versity vibe as a manifester, I'd be so curious what it felt like for you to kind of like actually write multiple posts at once and then wow. kind of like spread them out. Have you tried that? Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because it, like I can do it. I can, I like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to batch write my newsletters. I'm going to batch write my posts, but part of what gives me deep pleasure is like feeling the inspiration in the moment. And so like, I, I mean, I've done it. And last year around this time, I was like, okay, I'm going to batch read these newsletters. But then I'm like, but something will come. And I'm like, I have a great idea and I want to write this. And so I kind of have just had to freaking accept that I don't, I'm, it's hard for me to like, to, to schedule and contain my creativity. I hear that. I, well, the other part I was thinking of for you is like, I feel like you could, I feel like you really could batch write them really effectively. And then like, the moment would come and you'd be like, this no longer feels like the yes! fire thing to share. Yeah. Oh my God. I can sit and write. Like, I mean, I, he probably, I don't know if he'd be okay with me sharing this, but I'm going to share it. Um, but I help Eli, like he's, he doesn't share a lot and he kind of hates social media and he's kind of more old school in a way, but um, when he does, or he'll, I'll help. And I can, I can bust out like five posts editing for him, yeah. organizing and like, like in an hour. So when I, I have the creative energy and juice to like, to either write a bunch for myself or to help somebody else. Um, but yeah, if I'm not inspired, then the day of, then I'm kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. it's really funny, but whatever. <laughs> Just so we'll just accept that as it is for now. Um, totally. Well, so so for people that are new to human design, like a, what's the best thing way for them to start to engage with it? And is there anything like a way that you talk about it for for people that are new that are like uh, to kind of explain a little bit about it without obviously giving us a master class? Yeah, I mean, I think that like. Again, like think of human design as just like an operating manual to you. Yeah. Like we kind of like come into this life without a manual and human design is like, here's the manual. Like here's uh-huh. how you best make decisions and here's how you best work and like create opportunities. And not like in a really like way that like this is going to happen in your life, but more like this is how your operating system works best. Yeah. And so I think that I kind of recommend people engage by learning like the most essential pieces. So like yeah. that would be your type, how you yeah. best use your energy. 
yeah. your strategy, kind of how to create aligned opportunities for yourself and then your inner authority, how you best make decisions. Right. And so just kind of like learning those three pieces actually can transform so much. I know that it did for me. Mm. There's a lot more information to learn about in human design that can be really useful, but like it's less about like learning every single detail and more about like actually experimenting with these things in your life. And so like, I wouldn't put the pressure to be like, how can I learn every single gate, which is fun. And trust me, like, I love that stuff, but also like more, how can I really like start to use these basic principles? And then when I feel ready for more, I'll make myself available for that. Right. Okay. So will you tell us those three things for you and like how you, how, you know, what they are and how you work with them or how they've helped you? Yeah. Yes. And then maybe we do you too, because okay. kind of the opposite. Um, <laughs> so I'm, so there are five types in human design and you can look yours up if you'd like at humandesignblueprint.com, but manifesting generators, generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. And so I'm a projector. And so basically what that means in the world of human design is that like, I'm not really suited to be like a consistent doer. Like I'm much better suited to be like a leader, a guide, a manager, a teacher than I am like do, do, doing all day long. So like I might find that my energy very naturally ebbs and flows. I also might find that like my wisdom or my gift is not like how hard I work and how much I do, but like, just like how I see people, you know, mm. and like my wisdom around people and how I can like ask the right questions. And I think that I felt this my entire life, but to like think of that as a career. I was like, is that allowed? You mm. know? And I think like projectors often tend to be very fascinated by people. So they often love systems like human design that kind of helps them better, help them better understand people. Mm. Um, so that's been a big lesson for me is that like, I'm not designed to be a consistent doer. So in business, that's looked like me giving myself space, rest, having really strong boundaries around when I do sessions, how many podcasts I do. Um, and just knowing the more I rest and the better I take care of myself, the better I'll be. It's yeah. also looked like knowing that I'm not here to do it all alone. You know, my partner is a generator. He's got all this amazing energy to build, create and do. It's so like, I need him. Yeah. And like, we need each other in our own ways. And so like, I think, I used to feel like I had to be good at everything in a business. I was like, I've got to be great at this. And like, now I'm just like, my job is to be really good at human design, you know? And like, that's where I thrive. And then yeah. like, kind of the rest is like his world. Um, so that's the first piece. Yeah. Beautiful. The, the, se the second piece is that my strategy in human design is to kind of be recognized and invited in. So mm -hmm. I'm not really designed to initiate or chase after I am meant to work with and be intimate with people that like see me, value me, treasure me, invite me in to kind of share my perspective and guidance with them. And so how I worked with that as an entrepreneur is that like, if I pitch people, it doesn't go very well. But if I just like make myself visible and that's how we built our business. Like I just share, I share on Instagram. I shared at the assemblage. I share in newsletters. I share in podcasts. Like I just share my excitement for human design, which basically like allows the right people to kind of resonate with me and invite me in. And there are plenty of people that are probably like, she's not for me, you know, but I think that like, I've made it my job in our business to make myself visible wow. in order to kind of make myself available for the right invitations. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Beautiful. And, and then the final piece is around how I make decisions. I'm not, and this is similar to you. Like I'm not really meant to be impulsive or spontaneous. I meant to sleep on things and feel into things and give myself time. And I had historically been really spontaneous and really regretful. I would like say yes and wake up the next day. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore, you know? Yeah. And so like, I've really learned to just pause. I know like the best decisions for me are the ones that I not only love in the moment, but I love over time. Yeah. And so that's been so useful. And my 
partner is super quick in his decision-making, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's been really useful to kind of understand how different we are in that way and kind of learn how to honor each other's process, even though it's very different. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's super helpful to just hear how those three pieces can really support someone's life, like knowing themselves in a certain way. Totally. And like, yeah. I think so much of the value of human design is not only like individual alignment, but relational. It's yeah. like when you understand your partner's design and your collaborator's design and your kid's design and your family's design, like it just mm-hmm. really helps you understand like you're a manifester. My mom's a manifester. My sister's a manifester. Like, I think like understanding that brought me so much compassion because I was like, wow, I was like, really not supporting that their entire lives, you know? And so like really kind of learning how to support people different than us. Right. Do you want to hear about you? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So manifestors are like here to be kind of like the initiators, like the provokers and the disruptors, like really good at like just getting things started and getting getting a new idea off the ground. You're also not really meant to do, do, do all day long. Yeah. Like my guess is your energy operates in creative verse where you can like make a lot happen very quickly and then you're just like chill, yeah. you know, and then kind of wait for the next idea or inspiration to arise. Um, so much of being a manifester is knowing that your energy is a little bit provocative and you're not for everyone because none of us are, you right. know, but like you're really here to initiate people into like new ways of doing things and new ways of seeing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say support is really important for you as well because like yeah. your gift is initiating, but not necessarily like sustaining sustaining or maintaining. Yeah. So having the right people around you to kind of help like sustain the thing in a way that frees you to kind of bring new ideas and new inspirations to life. Yeah. I'll share more, but how does that feel to you? Oh, I mean, I love that. I, and I, I think that that was one, one of the big things that struck me was just like accepting that not everybody's going to get me, you know, and then I may be two steps ahead of the curve and, and yeah, that, 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 that my, like that, that energy in that way, like I do have these creative bursts and then sometimes I'm like totally zonked. And if I push too hard and I, I suppose we all do more, especially those of us who bleed, we live, we work on a cycle. There's all those different ebbs and flows to that as well. But I have some of my best friends are generators and they just work completely different than me, you know? Yeah. And, um, two of my best friends and and then like, so Ruby and saw are generators. Eli's a manifesting generator. Moon's a manifesting generator. Um, and wow. there's, all, and so, but I don't have a, I don't think I have a lot of like manifester people close to me. Um, and I don't know if that is, do manifestors get along with other manifestors? <laughs> Good question. I've seen a lot of manifestor like couples and partners, so yeah. it's all possible. But it would be probably nice to have some of that energy around. Yeah, I'd be curious just to Paul, see another way. Right, Paul Kuhn's a manifestor, I think. Right. Yep. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, but I think one of the things that really struck me in the class that I took with you back then was that I'm supposed to initiate. Yeah, and, and that's a strategy. And it's so funny because I had done all this David data work, this polarity work. And it was like, yeah, I'm relaxing in my feminine, which was really good for me in a sense, because I was kind of always the big mega flirt who was like, you know, had my eye on somebody and would kind of like hunt them down. <laughs> but all of a sudden, when I went to your class, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to still initiate like in dating or in just general, like walking into a room at a party. 
And I still notice it. Like, I'm like, I, I tell my partner, I'm like, why do I have to be the one to initiate? You know, like, why don't people come to me? <laughs> it's like, because I've now I moved to a new place and yes. And part of that, of course, there's so many levels to this people. It's not that there's all kinds of other stories and blah, 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 blah. But, um, but I have like at times been pissed about that. (laughs) Well, and part of it, what I would say is so like the strategy for manifestors is that they are here to initiate, you know, it's like the opposite of mine. I'm here to be invited in. You're here to like make the first move. Um, And it's not for like everything, you know, like you're here to kind of like, it is good to initiate relationships, new ideas, new inspiration. but, But like, once you've initiated a thing, like, with your partners, you have to keep initiating all the time. Right, right, right. You know, right. it's more around how you enter into things. But part of it for you is that like your energy is a little bit more closed and protected because you're just not available for everyone. And right. so it does mean that when you walk into a room, like you might not be the first person that people like all flock to. Uh-uh, because like know. you're kind of just, you're just like not there for them all. You know, and the idea is that like, when you do initiate and create a connection, and again, they might all come to you, but like when you do initiate and create a connection, like I find that it is so sacred to kind of be let into a manifestor's energy because yeah. like they really can like initiate you and inspire you in some ways, but it is like, it's just, it's a lot more protected. And so your energy kind of like naturally like protects you from like all mm. these kind of like the, all this unwanted energy coming your way. Wow. Um, and I had a session with the manifestor last week and we were talking a little bit about this dynamic and she shared that like a friend of hers had reflected back that she was like, it's such a privilege to be kind of like on the sidelines cheering you on. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's a good reminder that like to be let into manifest your energy is really sacred. Mm -hmm. But again, it's just like, it's just not for everyone, you know, but I think for you, there's like such an instinct of like who you actually want to bring in there. Totally. And that is true. That is true. And actually the other night, I was um, with some of my partner's friends who are now my friends too, but we were talking about what it was like when I first arrived here in Colorado. And one of the, um, one of the people there is like a really great musician. And he was like, you know, I actually really appreciated how you seemed really discerning. Like you, you weren't just like letting us all in really fast. You, I could tell you were like really just getting to know us first, And, you know, there was a part of me at the time that felt like, oh, I'm being cold or bitchy or withholding, or I'm not like emanating the love that I am. But a part of me also had to maintain some clarity to really feel truly into my guts. Do I want to move here? Do I want to live in this community? Are these people, people I want to spend time with, like make life with, you know? 100%. I love that. And like, there are two, you know, so your authority, your decision making is similar to mine, where it's just like, like you actually have like the strength of community, but like you really have to feel into it because like yeah. to you and your design, it's like you bring so much heart and loyalty to like whatever you say yes to. But like what fuels that is like also feel like you're receiving. It's like I'm receiving in so many ways and that fuels my ability to give, you yeah. know? And so it also like taking your time to feel into like whether or not that dynamic is really there is so key. And yeah. you're somebody who's like insanely sensitive to your physical space. Right. And so to just like be in a space that doesn't feel good and with people that don't feel good, like actually takes such a toll. And so like, you're meant to be quite ruthless about the places and people you're spending time in and with. Yeah. Why is that, that some designs are more sensitive to space in that way? 
Well, we basically all have areas in our design that we're really sensitive to other people, you yeah. know, and like, and it could be their emotions. It could be their fears, their stress. We call these our open centers. Mm-hmm. And so one of the areas in which you're really sensitive, and this is beyond your type of being a manifester is your identity. Mm-hmm. And it basically means that you really just like, when you walk into a space, like you just magnify the energy that you're around. Mm-hmm. And so to actually kind of really create the most aligned opportunities and people and experiences in your life, it means that you're like spending time in spaces that feel good with people that feel good. You know, it's that kind of choosing the energy you want to magnify. Right. And also like your, your identity is ever evolving. Like your design is not about having like a fixed sense of self where you're like, this is who I am. Like it really does keep, you know, in the same way that like you were a chef and like you worked in Hollywood and like, you're like, you've just, you wear a lot of different hats and it's not because one is you and the other is not, it's, they're all different parts of you. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so like, it's just like being in the right space kind of pulls out that right expression of self. Right. Yeah. I love that, that reflection of just like, and I think this probably can go for a lot of sensitive people. It's like, wherever you go and choose to be energetically affiliated with, you know, physically or just like community wise, that if you're a sensitive person that you may become porous or shape shift a little and knowing that that's actually, it's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with you. I mean, of course we see memes all over the internet that are like, you know, pro sensitive, pro empath or whatever, but I'm talking a bit more practical and a little less sort of on the kind of it was just like the practical of that, um, that that's okay, yeah. that it's okay. You know, it's okay that, uh, that, that, that you shape shift a little and that you want to discern whether those people that you're in a room with are the ones you want to shape shift with. hundred percent. Especially you know? if you add drugs to the picture, <laughs> you know, if you're 100%. doing a medicine journey with those people, totally. <laughs> right. You're going to feel it all, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that like, and it's so interesting because sometimes when we talk about different sensitivities in human design, like I just always want to remind people that it's not about like being like, oh my God, I'm so sensitive. I have to avoid people or avoid experiences. It's just like, I just need discernment. Like I just need right. to know what I'm taking in. And I also need to be aware of what's mine and what's not, you know? And like, cause there are some people that are like, you know, another thing, and I don't know whether this is a thing that you are still experiencing or ever did, but like, you're also very sensitive to other people's stress. Yeah. And so like how that could show up in a challenging way is like feeling like everything needs to happen right now. Mm. And like applying a sense of kind of urgency and pressure to everything. And to me, I feel like you're very much in the wisdom of this, but like, you're really here to learn that like, not everything needs to be hurried for, like, you can be fast when you want to be fast, but like, it just like, is not meant to be your default. And like so much of the lesson of your design is like allowing slowness and ease and intention into your life. Yeah. You can imagine if you like, weren't aware that like you were feeling other people's stress, you could like very easily get caught up in and run by it. You know, totally. it kind of requires that awareness of like, oh, that's not actually mine. And therefore like, I'm going to choose not to give it the power here. Totally. And you know, because relationship gives you that opportunity all the time in different ways, right? Maybe you're not feeling someone's stress. Maybe it's their worry. Maybe it's their fear, but um, we definitely have a sticking point in our relationship, which is really cute, which is like when my partner's like trying to get stuff done around the house, it can feel like kind of aggressive. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this I'm, I need to just, I'm going to go upstairs now. If you're going to, if you're going to, I call it, I call it crow magnum energy. If you're going to become a caveman around the house, like that feels stressful to me. I'm going to go upstairs now and close the door, you know? I love that so much. And also, like you said, your partner's an MG. It's like, they're kind of meant to move fast and like be in their own creative flow and like not be disrupted, you know? So I was like, 
I love where it's just like, I'm I like, love that you're doing that. The I'm queen out. is yeah. here. How dare you act so stressy in front of me? Oh, you know? And he's like, uh, I'm just trying to be efficient. <laughs> totally. But like, what a lesson of like just space and relationships. And I don't know what your relationship is with your partner in that way, but I just think that like, we can take in a lot. And so taking space to really disconnect from everything that's not ours and reconnect to what is, whether it's sleeping alone or just spending time alone is so useful. Yeah. Okay. Question. Do you guys still sleep alone? Cause I remember that from back in the day and I, it inspired me so much. Yeah, we do. We still have our own bedrooms. That was you definitely do. like a thing that would, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is like, we love sleeping together, yeah. you know? And so like, I think part of the magic of separate bedrooms, and I, I know it's not always financially feasible or desirable. I know it's not for everyone. Is that like, and the idea in human design is that sleeping separately basically allows you to kind of like let go of all the energy that's not yours at night and wake up as yourself. And I think what I love about it is that one, we have really different ways of like decorating our rooms, but it just allows us to choose. Like, I think that it's not the default. So we choose when to come together and when, and like have our default kind of be apart. And I think that I love it. I mean, now we have, we just adopted two dogs two days ago. So now we're like, are the dogs in with us? You know, so it's all changing, but I think that we love it so much. Mm. We've we've had it since the first time we lived together. We've, and I just think it's the best, you know, and I think it's nice to introduce it to people as an option because there's so much stigma around it. And like, it really, like, I just think that it really is such a healthy thing for relationships if it's feasible and if it's desired. What are your feelings about it? Well, I just feel like you inspired me when you told me that like years ago. And I think I probably told uh, like uh, some good friends, like, you know, that really inspired me and, and, um, open the conversation with people who maybe, uh, hadn't considered that or felt like it was stigmatized or that meant something was wrong with the relationship. And, um, we are blessed at this point to have a second bed in the house. So it is nice. And I can feel like, you know, sometimes we'll just use it if we've had a fight, but we we've tried to actually say, let's not make this like sort of the backup room for a fight. Totally. Let's make it a conscious choice. And like last week, my partner was on a silent retreat by himself for 10 days in a cabin. And I felt so much the difference of my energy and my sense of self is another way that I would categorize energy, but my sense of self and my sense of clarity. And I thought, oh, wow. You know how, even though I love being loved by him, I love being close to him, uh, but like that kind of creative, clear fire, like came back in a new way. So now you know, we're, we're only watching TV two nights a week. I think we're going to add that we should sleep apart two nights a week. So we're making some, you know, um, new commitments for the new year. So it's hard though. I really love being close to him. It is, you know, and like one thing I would say, I would say it's actually could be especially important for you. I think with your type, Um, I think because you're so independent and in general, and you also are so sensitive, Yeah, you know? Um, but I think that, yeah, I think it, it oh, what was I going to say? Um, I think it's just like a thing to experiment with, you know, obviously yeah. if you love sitting together, it can be hard. But I think one thing that I really discovered with my partner is that like, it's, we have kind of rituals around going to bed and waking up. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of like more in like our unconscious reading time that we're like apart, you know? And yeah. so like, and that feels good. Like, I think that if we were to like, go to bed totally separately, like start our days really independently. It would feel weird, but like we have rituals around those things that it feels like we do actually end and start together. 
I agree. And we've been doing the same thing. We'll like take some time, read together, and then he'll come in in the morning. And, you know, so that if, if we are spending the night apart and I do think that we do a lot of work in our unconscious realms at night and there's like totally. a lot of energy churning and I do feel it at times. I do wake up sometimes and I'm like, I can feel everything. <laughs> I've started sleeping mm-hmm. more with like my belly down on, which I never did. And I Me wonder, too. really? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Know. I don't know why. <laughs> It's weird. Yeah. It feels really comforting. It's like belly down, kind of legs, pizza wedge. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if part of that is just like um, kind of the energy coming back in and towards oneself, you know? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we're just wanting to be cute babies and that's okay too. I know it does feel good. I really have had a very similar experience. I have nothing to say about human design and that, but it just does feel like such like a comforting thing. Yeah, totally. Oh, well, it's been so, it's so good to connect with you. And I, I know that the human design conversation is so big and I mainly just wanted people yeah. to feel you if they don't know you, which they yeah. probably do because this woman's amazing content is being shared all over and it makes me super happy. Um, but what are some, like, how can people engage with your work besides Instagram? What are you doing these days since you're not doing sessions? Tell us. Yeah, I am still doing some sessions, um, but limited. So I share a lot on Instagram at Aaron Claire Jones. Um, the best place to get started is to get your blueprint. So my website is humandesignblueprint.com. And it basically is like a 55 plus page book. I had to make you a new one, like book oh. to kind of your unique design that kind of walks you through all the most important pieces of your design. So like what we talked about today and so much more, it's honestly just meant to be like a resource manual to you. And I'm happy to create a discount code for your people if you want that. Oh, want that'd that? be great. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Is there a word that you like? My last name, Roxo. Oh, I love that. Okay. So the discount code is Roxo. Um, and then I, I still offer some, I book a couple months in advance, but I offer partnership family and individual sessions oh, um, nice. and then monthly workshops and more to come, you know, a training yeah. to come and lots of things to come, but like, that's, that's where we're at right now. Oh. And yeah. So that, that's this? what I would start. I've done. Sorry. Do you do the blueprints by hand? Like everybody's different ones? Are you and Jared just all day making these? Well, I made about 12,000 by hand. Oh Um, my God. I know. That's what I'm saying. That there was some serious hustle. Now I have a team that supports me making them. Okay. So I've I've written every piece of it, you know, Um, but I'm not doing it all alone. Thank goodness. Oh yeah. Um, But, but I think that like, I did for a long time, you know, it was amazing, but it is, it was really, and that was such a big transition in this past year to kind of allow myself to be supported in that way. And if you like literally talk to any of my friends that spent any time with me in the past three years, they will tell you about all the times that they watch me making blueprints. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Cause you were just everywhere you went, you were just doing it. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. You know, It, it was it, but it is really nice to feel supported in that way and just like really consider how our energy can be best used. And I think given I made so many and created all the possible configurations, I mean, there are like 400,000 possible configurations of the blueprint, you know? So it's just like, whoa, it's crazy. See, that type of patience. I don't know. We manifestors, I don't know if we got that patience. 
I know. I mean, I have like, I have like one of my strengths in human design is so much around like endurance. And I was like, actually like an endurance runner when I was young. So I think that really came up strong in this blueprint journey. Wow. 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 Well, I'm so happy for you and Jared, and I'm so happy you guys are just like, you know, living a beautiful life together. And that those of us who, you know, left New York as much as I think we all love New York city, but creating a life that feels more sustainable. And I hope to come visit you and meet your horse and your babies, dog babies, human babies, all of them. I know. I'm just like, how are we multiplying so quickly? Um, (laughs) But you have to come visit. You're going to love it up here. It's so special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Go follow Erin Claire and um, check out her work. It is really a gift. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.